ears to good friends. Cheers. 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 Hmm. That's sort of an oaky afterbirth. What was that? She did tell me to uh, get a beer and some cheese fries over at Eskimo Joe's. That's very nice, lovely. I only hope you feel this way when I'm done. Because I could destroy this night in two seconds. Why is that funny? <laughs> well, I think it's a bit funny to be trying to define nothing. <laughs> Smooth as a bourbon on a summer day. Strong as a peated scotch in the winter night. This is a fair warning. The Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam Minahan here sitting with David Niles in studio. One on the buttons. We got Jim doing audio checks, making sure that no one busts in as our bodyguard. He has done so far. He is 100% at like 100% effective. Yeah. And he's, he's a, I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you guys, he's a dangerous man. Okay. He had military helicopters flying over his house today. You, like, you don't look military, military helicopters don't fly over your house for nothing. Right. Okay. Yeah. Jim, why don't you go ahead and give them your address? So that they way. know who to watch out for. <laughs> Jim Spencer. <laughs> uh, Dave, this is a part two. When's the last time we did a part two? It's been uh, a while. Have we have we ever done a part two? I feel like we have. One? Yes, we have. I know for Consensus? sure we have. Okay. We, we, well, then I have no idea. because I know for sure. I don't remember it. We did a Theology of the Body with Father Chris uh, Trashko. Trashko. Uh, part one and a part two. Big fan of Krupnik. Big fan. Yes, he is. Yes. And not just because he's Polish. That would be, if that's why you think you're... You're wrong. Uh, you're wrong. Racist? No, I don't know. We're not going to go know, there. I don't think you can say that because Polish is not a race. It's a nationality. Okay. Well, this people, is the... Cap- people get confused about that sometimes. We're, we're, yeah. we're not talking about that. We're going to talk about... We're going to pick up... So if you, if, you're, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, we're talking about discernment of spirits. Uh, this is part two. Go back and listen to the first part if you haven't had a chance right. to listen to it. Cause, part trois? Cause is we're that, gonna, uh, one, how do you say two in, in French? Du. Du. Part du. And we're doing something a little I different today. I say that because we have a French beer in front of us. Yeah, courtesy of, of Juan, he gave us the idea the other day. Like, we've been doing a lot of whiskeys. We have not been doing a lot of beers. He, like, is, was trying to guilt trip us into doing more beer. Which I'm not. I and, love beer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pro that. So we're going to try a beer, and it's I have... Never tried it before. Uh, I picked it up. I thought it was just kind of it's uh, Duchess de Borgo. How'd you say it one? But Borg. Borgogne. I don't know. Borgogne. Like bologna or something. I don't know. Anyway, it's a. It's definitely not bologna. Borgogne. Borgogne. Borgogne here. I just remember when he said it. It kind of sounded like booger in here. Mm. Like with a French, Hold on here. with a French accent. So it's a uh, red ale, Flemish red ale. Uh, I guess it is red. When you hold it up to the light, it is red. It didn't look red, 
But it's hard sometimes, honestly, to tell colors in here because we have these bright lights. It's like we have the sun in here shining at us, and that's the only light. Like you can kind of see it. Yeah, see, red. when you hold it up there, it is red. It looks red. When you look, when I look at it right there, it looks very brown. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, try the beer. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. And we have them in our new Catholic Man Show beer drinking glasses. That Etched with lasers, laser etched with lasers. With Check lasers. that out, y'all. You can you can pick that up. Very, uh, that's a very classy item. Yes. Look at the look at the drinking oh, vessels that we have on the Catholic hats. Man Show. Uh, Glen Karen glasses, beer glasses, rosaries, uh, shirts, hats, sweat uh, hoodies. We got a little bit of everything. We out have everything on, that on you need Catholic Man Show to store. tell other people that you're a Catholic man. Just by looking at you i tell wow, you i can smell it very the smell i it's good it, i can smell it there's a it is a sour and you mentioned that before we were it's just tart it's not necessarily a well, sour it just has a little yeah. tart tartness to it it doesn't make your like lips pucker like some sours do right uh, it has a little but you can smell that it there's a little bit of mm-hmm. like it's cherry grapefruity or, or what it, something i think it's cherry yeah it's probably the red then um but yeah it's really good it's not bad at all it, it's oh it's very, Hello. very delicious. Oh, yeah, I can do that one. Yeah, no problem. Um, definitely worth... I I, I, I don't I, Honestly, I don't remember how much it is, so I can't say it's definitely worth... Uh, I think it's probably... I think it's about $3 a bottle. Okay, that's so, expensive. So that's expensive. That is an expensive beer. But it's pretty good. It's it's a nice treat. It's yeah. uh, 6% ABV. Okay. So, anyway... How many calories? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't even keep calories. I'm glad that, I'm honestly glad they don't put that on beer. Like, I don't want to know. Mm-mm. Don't even tell me that. We don't but have, that is, we, we that is a lot of beer really nice. That's, this is a, this is like a special occasion. Um, oh, sorry, Juan, you need a bottle opener. Uh, this is a special occasion beer, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be better, I think. It'd it is be be- just nice. Better suited for, um, for the summertime. It's more of a summer beer, I yeah. think. You think, I, dude, Dave? Can I tell you? See, the thing is, I don't get down with that kind of line of thinking. I will right. drink any beer or any whiskey, any any climate. So I have I have something I'm going to give you guys at the end of the show. Oh. I, I smoked a, a pork shoulder yesterday, and I tried something different, and I'm mm. interested to see what you guys think. So here's what I did with the, with this pork shoulder. I'm going to tell you really fast. I smoked it uh, on my smoker for about four four hours or so. I pulled it off. I pulled it off the smoker. Put it in, in in aluminum foil, and then I drizzled honey over the top of it. I I put brown sugar, and then I put a, I cut up a stick of butter into little slices and put it on top. Wrapped it tight in the aluminum foil and put it back on the smoker for another about four and a half hours. It's it's really good. I've never done that before. I, I typically leave my my pork shoulders on the smoker for all eight to ten hours, however long you smoke right, it. Right. But I was reading. Uh, recently on a guy who swore by it and i was like i'll give it a try it's not you know that's what i love about smoke like if you're gonna like jump into smoking meats i strongly suggest doing it with pork pork shoulders because one they don't take near as long they don't cost near as much and they're pretty foolproof it's you mean like as opposed to brisket as opposed to like brisket or other kind of even other kind of meats that you any kind of beef is gonna be is gonna be more expensive so and uh it's kind of foolproof even if you don't, yeah. I mean, the pork is so good. Pork is just delicious. It's got so, it's got a great fat in it. Mm-hmm. So if you just cook it, 
It's going to be great. Even if even if you take a pork butt and do nothing to it, right? And you just cook it, it's going to be. It, good. it will be delicious. I injected it. I don't always inject my pork shoulders, but I did uh, this one. I injected it with uh, red wine vinegar, apple juice, and Worcestershire sauce, like mixed together. And I thought that was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was very it was interesting. It was a lot of new things whenever I was doing it, but. That's why again I, I suggest a pork shoulder if you're trying new things out because yeah. if it you know if you don't like it it's okay it's only it was only thirteen dollars it right. wasn't a hundred and thirteen dollars like a brisket would be or something like that you know what is it some of them like if you get a big brisket it's really? like eighty hundred bucks for a full like one like ten dollars a pound yeah wow yeah it's it it's expensive I'm gonna be honest when I go and like grocery shop I have no idea I I just don't even pay attention to what prices I don't are. I just like buy it I mean do you, that's, I shouldn't do that. But that's why I don't grocery shop also. So. Right. Anyway, I, uh, I'll let you guys try I some. Stu- I still want to do, because when you to- told me you were doing this, I had the idea. I mentioned it on the phone. Want, it's like, take that brown sugar and all that stuff and pull the pork and then just put the brown sugar in at the end. And I it, think that would be delicious. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be bad. Right. Now, I, I will say, I don't know how much the butter helped. I know that it didn't hurt. Oh, you know, like it's, so. defi- it's definitely not hurting. <laughs> right. So, anyway, it was it's was, it was pretty good. I, I butter ain't ain't hurt nobody. My, I, I brought it over to my parents' house tonight for dinner, and they thoroughly enjoyed it. So nice, nice. Not the best one I've ever done, but definitely one I will do again. This beer, I just keep coming back to it. It is so good. It's not what I expected, and it's not like uh, it's not typically what i would say oh this is my style of beer mm-hmm. okay uh but it's i like how it starts off sweet and then quickly quickly hits you with a little it's like a it's, yeah it's like a sweet tart kind of it doesn't taste like a sweet tart you know the, yeah. if someone told me hey this beer tastes like sweet tarts i'd be like yeah that's okay i don't want it right that's not what this tastes like but it, it hits you with the sweet and then the the tart and it's just a little bit tart like you said it's not so sour and it's not heavily carbonated either you're right a light light right. carbonation well look at the head jim got on his that's i tried to get more and i i got i didn't that's good yeah so anyway um also mm. man we've been this is a, a, last week we had over six hours of recording for the very first time we've ever done that in yeah. one week and we'll uh, be probably doing the same thing this year yeah or this week yes this year yeah, yeah this week <laughs> yes so we've been doing a, a course with carlo broussard on saint thomas aquinas's five ways we've jumped into basically the introduction and the first part of the first way yes and tomorrow we'll be doing the second part of the first way and Prim- it's been prima going- pars prima pars prima, no, secunda, prima, uh, secunda well, that's what we've pars. done yes we've done yes yes the second part of the first part is what we're doing tomorrow yeah and uh, we've gotten great feedback from our patrons. We've uh, mm-hmm. people have thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I know that I, you know it's been beneficial I've for me. It, yeah, uh, to to learn and pick Carlo's brain, it's been a lot of fun. If you want to go check those out, they will be forever available to our patrons. If you go to Patreon.com/slash/TheCatholicManShow, you'll be able to listen to those. It comes with handouts that are way yep. more than what we could even get yeah, through. Yeah, and we're only two episodes in. So if you want to go become a patron, you can. Watch those videos and get on the bandwagon with the rest of us. Should be a lot of fun. So when we get back, we're going to jump into the topic since uh, we've already kind of started this topic last week as we were talking about Discernment of Spirits, uh, a book by Timothy, 
Father Timothy Gallagher, Gallagher, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, Juan Posada, and Jim Spencer in the house. We are doing part two of the discernment of spirits. The man gear, what continues to be the man gear, because this is part two, uh, is this book right here, The Discernment of Spirits, by Father Timothy Gallagher, subtitled An Ignatian Guide for Everyday Living. I really love this book. I said it on the last episode. Um, in fact, if you haven't heard our last episode, I think it would be um, beneficial for you in having context, because we're just going to assume today that you heard mm-hmm. last episode. Um, this is a podcast. It's available on the internet. Just go listen to it, right. and then come back and finish this one. Um, but just the the way that the, the these 14 rules by St. Ignatius, Ignatian, Ignatian, Ignatius made them so practical. You know, there are four just you and me, you know, regular people. And then in this book, Father Timothy Gallagher breaks them down using real-life examples. It just, you're not going to not understand the rules yeah. or the application it's of them. Nice. Yeah. Uh, this segment of The Catholic Mantra is brought to you by The Catholic Woodworker. Go to thecatholicwoodworker.com. Use promo code TCMS for The Catholic Mantra, and you get 10% off all of your purchases, that includes rosaries, home altars, tra- the tra- their traveling altars, the crucifixes, heirloom quality stuff. If you use TCMS, it lets him know that we sent you. He mm-hmm. continues to support the show. It's a win-win for everybody. You get 10% off. So go to The and Catholic... You get, you get something really cool, too. Yes. So go to thecatholicwoodworker.com. Dot com. Okay, right. so let's just jump into it, because uh, the last episode, we went way past our four segments, and so... Yes. We, it was one of the longest ones. I like opened it up and I realized, oh my goodness, we have like almost two hours. Yeah. I cut it down though because I realized we kept recording after we were really done. Oh, okay. Which was nice because I was like, <laughs> glad I didn't just export it and just sent it off. So there are 14 rules. We made it through seven last time. Mm-hmm. We're going to make it through the, the final seven this time. Okay. Once again, we're not going to backtrack. We're just going to carry on. So rule eight. My wayward son. Yeah. Yeah. From the philosopher Kansas. Let one who is in desolation work to be in patience, which is contrary to the vexations which come to him, and let him think that he will soon be consoled, diligently using the means against such desolation, as is said in the sixth rule. The sixth rule, just uh, as a recap. Yeah, that, that's, uh, okay, <laughs> that's way easier said than done. Yes, yeah, so the sixth rule was um, do not make a change. Right. So you, you just be firm in your resolution. Be patient. Like, when things are really bad, just be patient. Right. That's, that's really tough. So Father Gallagher, he says that patience is the virtue proper to persons undergoing a trial. Um, that they do not flee the trial, but carry the burden faithfully, enduring the trial as long as it persists. Um, this, the, the challenge here is that in the moment... Um, Patience is going to seem pointless. You know, if you are enduring something, especially desolation, you know, if it's um, a sickness or something else where you still have moments of consolation, you still feel close to Christ, it's easy to understand how the suffering that you're enduring Mm -hmm. is uh, for a greater good. 
But in moments of desolation, when you, you don't have those um, feelings and you feel far from Christ, it makes you feel like this is pointless. I'm not, nothing good is coming from this. Well, and this goes against like almost our human nature, right? Whenever we see something that's broken or, or, or we, like something is, is painful on us, yeah. some kind of pain is attacking us, what do you want to do? You want to fix it. Like, let's stop, right. let's stop this. Let's you make know, a correction. Let's get a correction going. Yeah. And like this kind of, so this goes against the grain of what you really want to be, like, mm-hmm. what you want to be doing. Yeah, and that's why he, the sixth rule is so important. Never make a change. It's in, he, in desolation. In desolation, moments of desolation. Um, and, you know, once again, in that, in that rule, rule six, never is an absolute term. He, he leaves no exceptions. Never make a change. Um, so, for instance, um, if we've committed ourselves to a certain amount of prayer, and in a moment of desolation, we're tempted to cut it short, which that happens all I mean, the that's time. Like, that's probably the most common uh, temptation in desolation. Mm-hmm. Um, we already know not to make a change and that we should complete our previous commitment. That's the rule six. This one takes it another step because it, it describes the attitude that we continue to make that. You know, rule six tells us what to do. This is kind of how to do it. Okay. So we're going to do it with patience. I mean, a lot of times I, I, I know that when I'm feeling down and stuff like that, I'm praying the rosary. And it's like, okay, I got four, four decades done. I'm just, I'm just going to cut it off. Right. I'm not going to get the fifth decade in. Right. I may try to do it later on in the day. Like I just like yeah. tell myself, I'll do it later today. Yeah. D- yeah, man. I can't tell you how many times that, you know what? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to do my 20 minutes of prayer or, you know, whatever. I should, I'll do it after this, and I'll have a, a plan. Right. And then, but that's not my routine. And so when that moment comes, I don't think about it because I'm a routine person, and I, it's the end of the day, and I realize, I didn't pray today. Like, they got me again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very with those, easy to with do. With those thoughts. Um, we've done, an, we have actually done um, an episode on patience uh, about, and we, you know, we talked about how patience is an active thing. It's not a passive thing. It's not something you just kind of like Endure. sit back yeah, and let happen to you. You actually do patience. Um, and it, that's exactly what St. Ignatius says here, that he says it is, in this rule, he says, work to be patient. Yeah, which is very hard. Right. Um, sort of like uh, the marathon runner who is running and getting tired from the miles he's already run, yet he continues to run. Um, you don't stop running. You continue doing the thing that you are doing, mm-hmm. okay? And there's kind of patience in running a marathon. You can't just get it done. You have to continue to endure um, in order to complete the task. So uh, Father Timothy, he says, when we remain faithful to prayer, to service, and to our spiritual commitments, and to our calling in general, in spite of the urgings of spiritual desolation to admit defeat, we are working to remain patient. So that is the work, and that is what we're called to do, is to just simply continue. You might not feel like anything is being accomplished, but your feelings need to be rejected, because once again, you are in desolation. Mm -hmm. And the feelings and thoughts that come from desolation do not come from the Lord. So just focus on what you've uh, already taken on to do it well. Like, don't add more stuff, don't take things away, but what you've already committed to, what your vocation is... Strive to do it well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Commit to it even more, which is another rule, like to more more penance in a, some suitable form of penance, to more prayer, 
by petition asking it to be taken away. Um, it's also no coincidence that this rule, the eighth rule, comes right after the seventh rule. This, as, just as a recap, the seventh rule was um, let he who is in desolation uh, consider that he is being given trials for his own benefit and growth and that it will soon soon be over. So that y- you can really see now how these rules build on each other. Yeah, I do. Okay, so um, the ninth rule. Any questions about before we can... Let okay. us proceed. V- very good. It is proper to do so. This is... I like this rule. There are three principal causes for which we find ourselves desolate. Okay, this is very interesting. Yes. The first is because we are tepid, slothful, or negligent in our spiritual exercises. So the first, the first reason <laughs> is because maybe sin is you know another way to wait, another way to put it. And so our faults, uh, and through our faults, or just rather, apathy, it's more apathy. It's, it's yeah, more sure. Like, it's just more of almost. I mean, based off of what you just said, it's more of like being apathetic or being agnostic to just anything, right? Which is the devil's playground as and well. And obviously, mortal sin. Is I mean, if you if you are in a state of mortal sin, then you should uh, you should have zero expectation to be anything but in a state of desolation. Just get to confession because because quickly. in this case, you have chosen mm-hmm. to be removed from yeah. the grace of God. Right. You have put yourself there on purpose by committing a mortal sin. So he says uh, negligence through our spiritual exercises, and so through our faults, spiritual consolation withdraws from us. The second. Uh, to try us and see how much we are and how much we extend ourselves in his service and praise without so much payment of the consolations and increased graces, okay? Um, And the third is to give us true recognition and understanding so that we may interiorly feel that it is not ours to attain or maintain increased devotion, intense love, tears, or any other spiritual consolations, but that all is a gift and grace of God our Lord, and so that we may not build a nest in something belonging to another, raising our mind in some pride or vainglory, attributing to ourselves mm-hmm. the devotion or the other parts of the spiritual consolation. So that one to me is, uh, I thought that was, that one was big. Like it's all, it's all about humility, right? Yeah, it, I mean, that's, like you build I, I've been there before where sure. it's like, I'm having like, oh, uh, I'm dedicating myself to prayer. Like I am. And it's it's very. I've been in a state of grace for right, a long time. Exactly, like, man, I'm, I'm feeling it. I am doing good. Look like, at me. Look how look look at all that I'm accomplishing. Right. You know that's that's so tempting. That is yeah, so tempting. Yeah. Exactly. So. And then that's when humility comes in. That that's what you <laughs> that, need exactly. Yeah, that, that, and that's he, a, he's going to expound upon that more. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that. I mean to me the third one is very the first and the third one to me resonate uh, heavily. Uh-huh. The second one is pretty uh, like. In, in natural sense, very obvious. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's lifted weights or done any kind of sports or music or instruments, you know, anything like that, understands right. uh, that you know you're gonna. It's gonna be hard for a little while, and then you gain. It's hard, and then you gain. Like, right. That, that just is kind of a natural occurrence, and so uh, it's easy to take the natural to the supernatural. And in uh, understanding the first and third one are more to me ones that are like, oh man, this hit me in the gut. This is the gut right. punchers. Right. Yeah. And you know everybody might have might resonate with these three in different different Aspects, ways. Yeah. Sure. Um, and when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what does he mean by cause. He says there are three principal causes which we find ourselves. What? Uh, we're not going to be breaking this down at a Thomistic level. We're not going to go that deep. But just what does he mean by cause? Because he doesn't necessarily mean 
that God is inflicting it, but he's allowing it. Right, exactly. His permissive will. Correct. Okay, sweet. Thanks, Jim, for all your help. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Sipping on a little bit of beer this evening. Talking about or putting a bow on last week's episode, The Discernment of Spirits. Talking about the ninth rule out of 14. We're nine of 14. And we're talking about the cause, the cause for desolations. What Ignatius means when he says cause. Correct. For when people go into desolation, which I feel like. I'm throwing, like, this is a big, like, taking a big jump here, but I feel like there could be uh, a plethora of people in desolation at this point. Yeah, I'd say there's at least one or two. So, yeah. It'd have to be at least, how many, how many is it at least for a plethora? Well, I don't know. I mean, that plenty. I mean, it's a lot. So, mm, more than three. I'm not sure that plethora has a numerical definition. I think, I don't think so. I think it could be a relative term. Right. Okay, let's throw that out. 15. Okay. Like a like 15? A, Juan says 15. Like if you have a... This is why we have Juan as a producer, because he's able to correct us on this on the go. That's incredible that he just knows that kind of information. Yeah. Okay, so we were talking about causes. Uh, in the beginning, it says there are three principal causes for which we find ourselves desolate. So what does he mean here by cause? Does uh, he mean that God is just like inflicting this upon them? No. He says that cause here does not indicate origin or like the causing agent, but rather finality, the purpose for which the desolation is permitted to occur. So God is, he's about achieving the right end. He's about restoring us to whatever, you know. Everything that God does is about the fi- the end. Right, he, he either wants to uh, achieve some sort of growth in us, or, um, you know, maybe a conversion of heart, or a... I was reading something... What's the word to, to, when you're sorry for something? Uh, sorrowful. Nah, yeah. Whatever it is, when you're sorry for oh, stuff. I was reading Father uh, Gary Goulagrange today, and he was talking about uh, this exact topic. I don't want to get into it because I'll go down a, a trail, a, a rabbit a, hole. Such a funny name. Okay, such, he's so ma- he's a great author. He's I've I've never read any of his he's, stuff. He's but about it's to a be very it's a memorable name. He's uh seems like it's gonna be my next Joseph Peeper. Is what it's really? based off of what I've read thus far. Anyway. I just think it's funny because it sounds like caribou. Garibou, caribou. Caribou. Okay. Your name rhymes with a deer. Uh, so it's important here to note that spiritual desolation of itself does not produce any growth. In fact, spiritual desolation is to be rejected. Okay? We don't embrace desolation. We reject it. Okay, we want to, once again, we're distinguishing spiritual desolation from the dark night of the soul. Um, I'm not talking about the dark night of the soul. I'm I'm not saying that you embrace the dark night of the soul. I'm just saying there is a difference between these two. Spiritual desolation is to be rejected. Because when we embrace it, once again, now we're taking counsel from the thoughts that come from desolation, which are not the Lord. It's the enemy that counsels us in desolation. Um, that's interesting. That's hmm. yes. So goes against like my thoughts, but I know M- mine too. Uh, like, I want to offer like this desolation up as a sacrifice to the you Lord. You can by being patient, but we're not Im- 
we're not embracing it. We're saying, no, this is not what I'm made for. I'm made for something else, but I will be patient in the moment. I will continue to do, but we are to seek the end of the desolation, not... Yeah, like yeah, not die. Right. Well, no. I mean, we are to believe that it, it will come, that God will bring it to an end very soon. That's one of the, I think that's like the fifth rule, or it's one of the other rules we did already. Okay. Um, so once again, he's not saying that this is an exhaustive list. This is just three principal causes. Um, and he says that there are three goals. Conversion. Maybe that's the word I was trying to think of earlier. No, I said conversion. Anyway, the three goals of our Lord in these situations of desolation are conversion, spiritual learning, and humility. Okay. Um, Which goes, like, that's obvious. Like, right. Especially for the, the three reasons why. These are the three fruits of the reasons why it right. makes sense. So if we have, if it's because of our own tepidness, you know, the, the first way, the first principle cause, to me, this is just such a, it shows the love of God that he wouldn't just kind of abandon you to your sins, that mm-hmm. he would inflict this upon you in order that you would return to him. Because otherwise, you're just going to go along with a sinful habits, and who knows what your final destination will be. You know, like, if you allow even small sins a place to be cultivated in your soul, mm-hmm. they will soon manifest grow into large serious sins okay so just the fact that god would allow us to suffer in this way is a beautiful it's a beautiful grace okay um it the desolation might be painful but uh it would be worse if he didn't do it spiritual learning we receive is really the learning to resist the desolation itself okay so there's a man by the name of daniel gill who has some commentary on ignatius the Ignatius rules here. He uses the example of a soldier, a patriot soldier versus a mercenary. Okay, so the the second way was um, to try us to see how much we are and how much we extend ourselves in his service and praise without so much of the payment of consolation. So when you don't get the spiritual cookies, Mm -hmm. are you still willing to serve him? Okay, so the mercenary and the patriot, when when they stop being paid, the mercenary just gets out of there. The patriot stays because he believes in the cause, and he loves he loves his country, mm-hmm. even though his country might not be it paying him to be a soldier. Right? Okay, so um, that's the kind of spiritual learning that he wants he wants for us. And then, finally, By the way, when I used that example earlier about like lifting weights, I was meaning like whenever you hit uh, lifting weights and you hit a plateau, and like yeah. but you keep going, mm-hmm. you know, to continue lifting. Because okay. you believe in what you, you know, what you're what you're doing, like what the end is, and so yeah. you keep going, and those plateaus end up, you know, going continue growing. Yeah, up. with persistence, you you break through them. Right. I just wanted to give that clarification. I, I'm glad you did. I didn't realize that's what you meant. Yeah. I, as as you're reading that, I was like, man, I, I wasn't very clear there. I need to make sure that I right. cover that. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So finally, God knows us, and He knows that we are likely to fall. So He allows desolation. So that we do not think that we are the source mm-hmm. of our own consolation. Okay, we kind of talked about this already. That uh, you, uh, otherwise, you end up taking good things that you're doing and you're receiving consolations, and you miss uh, the fruits of it. You, right, you miss the reasons why you get them. You misapply the source. You think that you are the source, and you forget that God is the source, and so you start to believe in yourself and not Him. And the, that, that's so hard. Whenever you, when you're, when God has given you gifts that where you excel in, in a specific aspect of your life that mm-hmm. other people don't. And so because of these natural gifts that have been given to you, right. that something that's like, 
I, I don't have to work for this. You know, this is just something that is just naturally given to me that apparently it's not given to everybody because everybody else is thinking that I'm doing a really good job with this. Right. Uh, and then you, you build onto like, well, that, you know, that I'm just good at this. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, 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 this is a gift from God mm-hmm. and he's given it to you so that you may glorify him, not for yourself. Even if you say, look, I have worked, I've trained my whole life. I have worked thousands and thousands of I put the 10,000 hours, hours in. that you haven't seen right. for me to be able to do what I'm doing now. That is true. Mm-hmm. And That's um, you, cool. d- you deserve you deserve recognition for for doing those things, putting in the work mm-hmm. uh, to cultivate a gift that God has given you. But don't for one instant think that you did it yourself. You were given the ability right. to do it in the first place from God. So those are that's, very, a, that's a, good, a good analogy, I think. The tenth rule. Okay. Let the one who is in consolation think how he will conduct himself in the desolation which will come after. Yeah. T- taking new strength for that time. I, lo- I this love this is important. One. I love this This one is something you say a lot. Yeah, I mean... In the good times... You prepare for the bad prepare times. Prepare for the bad times, that's no, right. Like, whatever your vices are... You didn't are, even know you were quoting Ignatius. I had no idea. Yeah. Or he was, in quote, he was quoting He's me. He's always ripping off your stuff. He does. He I does know. that. The thing about uh, a lot of the saints is it seems like that they do that with us. Uh, but ser- seriously, that, that that is something that I actually got, I think, from Matt Fratt, or I'm not really sure who I got that from. But yeah, um, you know, whenever you, whatever vice you're struggling with, there's you're gonna be, you're gonna feel like that. Okay, I've I've conquered. I and this is what. Okay, now you're hitting pride again. I've conquered this. No, 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 no. God, you know, this is a grace that God has given you. Nothing. Yeah. You know, you've just cooperated with God's grace. But uh, you feel like I will never do that again. Mm-hmm. And then. Time X amount of time goes by, and then you find yourself doing that exact same thing again. You're like, man, that is I can't believe I did that. Well, the reason why is because you haven't prepared for whenever like those temptations come, or what mood were you in, what were what was your mental state, like right. you know all the things that yeah. lead you to that stuff. So you need to when you are at your highs, when uh, when you are feeling good about like where you are just in life in general, you need to prepare for like okay where. This is part about knowing thyself, right? Like we talked about in, in between those breaks, is knowing when you are going to fall. Like knowing where are my weaknesses and mm-hmm. what and how am I? Like, how could I possibly feed these weaknesses to make me fall? Yeah, you know. Um, and so, I mean, to me, th- that tenth rule is huge. You, you know, when, yeah. when when you're when you're feeling con- consolation, when you're feeling close to God, make sure that you you get on your p's and q's because now you have a target on your back, and the devil does not want you to be close to God. Yeah, and thus. There's going to be a lot of things thrown at you. Yeah. And I'll tell you, Adam, Ignatius would agree with you. Okay. Uh, Interesting. The whole, the whole purpose of, the, <laughs> of these rules, it's, it, I mean, like, it would be to become holy. That's really the whole purpose of this. But mm-hmm. principally, he's doing this in order to train us to reject desolation. To, uh, when we become desolate, to learn what needs to be learned as quickly as possible in order to return to a state of consolation so that we might once again be counseled by the good spirits instead of instead of the bad instead of being tempted by the bad spirits, um, and so he he also we need to make clear that um, the purpose of consolation is not strictly to prepare for desolation. Okay, consolation is good in and of itself. It's not just utilitarian. Okay, so uh, Father Gallagher says, Our primary task in time of spiritual consolation always remains to accept the blessed work of God within us through such consolation. And remind, remember that the good, the good spirits counsel us more 
in moments of consolation. Consolation. Yeah, yeah it, 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 hopefully it, it grows your relationship with God. It brings you closer to God, not necessarily right. for the euphoric right. sense of, of, of the consolation itself. Right. And but, it should be enjoyed in and of itself, like just that moment of unity with God. Like, do, right. first of all, don't overcomplicate it. Then remember to think about the desolation that is likely to come in the future. And we'll wrap up. We'll wrap up the tenth rule when we get back. Okay. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're talking about the discernment of spirits. We're talking about the tenth rule right now. I know I've said this before, but I just want to point out how practical this is. The tenth rule is: let one who is in consolation think how he will conduct himself in desolation. Okay, so he is being very specific. He's telling you, when you are being consoled, these are the thoughts that you should be be having. I mean, it's like, he couldn't be more specific here. Like, think about these things. And the reason he wants you to do that is because he understands the mechanics of the spiritual realm and how uh, you know, people are influenced. He knows that when you are being consoled, you are being counseled, you are receiving the thoughts and the feelings from the goods from God. So those are the times to be thinking about the to be making plans for the future. Okay, um, these are the moments. That's what I just said. Planning for the future. Okay, uh, tenth tenth rule questions, Adam. None. Okay, the eleventh rule. Let one who is consoled. This is a big rule. Oh, I love this rule. And it's not because I make jokes about being humble. I just really do love this rule. Let one who is consoled seek to humble himself and lower himself as much as he can. Thinking, once again, he's telling us how to think here, thinking of how little he is capable in the time of desolation without such grace or consolation. On the contrary, let one who is in desolation think that he can do much with God's sufficient grace to resist all his enemies taking strength in his Creator and Lord. So, once again, you can hear how he's telling you. He's literally just telling you what to do. These are the thoughts you should be having. It's like, if, if somebody's telling you what to think, they're not really leaving much wiggle room. I mean, it's like, it's very, it should be pretty easy to follow their instructions. Have these thoughts. Think about this. Um, Don't think about the pink elephant. Right. I'm not. Ooh, yeah, exactly. I did. So, he gives us both the attitude and the manner. And the manner. If we fail to humble ourselves in moments of consolation... We will quickly find ourselves back in desolation. Um, without the humility, we, we can be like Peter on Holy Thursday, okay? Um, who, you know, quickly Jesus rebukes. So you can get a little uh, over, you can get out ahead of yourself, and you end up failing and thinking that once again, I must be the source of consolation. Right, or like, you know, like him saying like, I will die for you, Lord, and then that night goes ahead and like... Uh, right. Rejects him. Exactly. Right. So if you, if we if we don't humble ourselves in that moment of consolation, um, lowering ourselves, then we will uh, we won't be able to interpret the the consolation the right way. And so if you notice here, he he kind of brings together the last two rules um, about wh- what to do, how to think. But this rule kind of puts the consolation desolation in balance with each other. When you're in consolation, lower yourself. When you're in desolation, think about how great, all the great things you can do with God's sufficient grace. The virtue of magnanimity. Right. Because he is still giving you sufficient grace. Okay? 
The twelfth rule. This is this is a funny rule. I will tell you. It's not. Uh, we suffer from some political incorrectness here, which I get a kick out of. I think the enemy acts like a woman in being weak when faced with strength, and strong when being faced with weakness. For as it is proper to a woman when she is fighting with some man to lose heart and to flee when the man confronts her firmly, and on the contrary, if the man begins to flee, losing heart, the anger, vengeance, and ferocity of the woman grow greatly and know no bounds. In the same way, it is proper to the enemy to weaken and lose heart, fleeing and ceasing his temptations when the person who is exercising himself in spiritual things confronts the temptations of the enemy firmly, doing what is diametrically opposed to them. And on the contrary, if the person who is exercising himself begins to be afraid and lose heart in suffering the temptations, there is no beast so fierce on the face of the earth as the enemy of human nature in following out his damnable intentions with such growing malice. Yeah, so I, I, I listen to that and I think it's, you're right, it is a little interesting. But I, I think this is the beauty of, of what the church gives us in the sacramentals and its specific devotions. For for men, you know, yeah. like wearing wearing the scapular, wearing the immaculate, uh, the miraculous medal, uh, having a devotion to Saint Michael the Archangel, saying that prayer every single day, right. uh, developing a devotion to your guardian angel. Those are the kind of things that will build build you up to where it, it'll make the the devil flee. Using the sacramentals of of holy water, holy oils, holy salt, um, you know, to to utilize that within your family. And, and for yourself and your in your spiritual life that will make the devil flee. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, and the, the church has been very clear about that, about the, that, use, the use of sacramentals in your life um, and, the, and its ability to, to ward off temptation. Um, I mean, it's not magic. That's, right. It's just uh, it's the will of God that, and it's a, it's a that he be present gift. to us in those physical ways, right? It's a, be- it's a beautiful gift that the authority of the church has given uh, the people in order to only grow them closer for the holiness. I think that the the basic, like the, the, the point he's trying to make here is that in moments of temptation, we must reject them immediately. Mm-hmm. If, if those temptations are allowed to linger, if we don't with firm, with firm uh, disposition reject them the first time, they simply grow and become more and more powerful. And this is like custody of the mind and custody of the eyes. Yes. Right? You know, uh, how many times have, have guys, uh, you know, just been like, oh, well, I'm just going to yahoo.com and then, oh, I'm just clicking this article. Oh, yes. I'm just getting, right. I'm just w- looking at a sports article that ends up having a cheerleader I mean, and then like i'm just gonna see see what this is and then like and then it rolls into the snowball effect of of, like, of sins that oh, you, you i'm just gonna like how about this line i'm just gonna click this to see if it actually is inappropriate yeah, yeah right exactly oh it was yeah, okay yeah exactly i thought so see and it's like i knew it you know right. like i mean you have those moments where you kind of enjoy being tempted you know what i'm saying yeah. like uh-huh. i where yeah. you just kind of it i'm not gonna do it Right, but I'm but just gonna I, see. I do kind of enjoy, or like, or the custody of entertaining the, mind. the idea. Yeah. I know I'm not going to. Right, and the entertain, the entertaining, the custody of the mind, like entertaining these like previous sins that you may have had, like, and thinking about and glor- almost glorifying them in your mind, like, oh, remember when I did right. that? That was so much fun. Remember when I partied with my friends so hard and I did that, or whatever it is, uh, and you're glorifying these sins in your mind, and it, it leads to this corruption of mind, uh, and you're you're thinking about things that are not the, the transcendentals. Right, and that, because you're not rejecting them firmly right, which right is, off the bat. Which is, you know, the snowball effect, right? It's like yeah. you, you get this little thing rolling. You let, it, 
you 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 feed it and then you let it fester right you know? and then yeah. all of a sudden you're thinking you know it's been like 20 minutes and all of a sudden i've been thinking about something that has been completely inappropriate right because your intellect is like your body it's like oh if i have a, a rash or something like an infection Mm-hmm. and I don't treat it right away, it just gets worse. Right. You know, if you do that to your mind, it will also grow. Right. You need to heal it. I mean, you would never let an infection just like, oh, I kind of like that infection. It's like, oh, it's a cool, right. it's a cool or ha- scar. Or how about this? Somebody did something wrong to you, and you're sitting there thinking about it over and over in right. your head for, for a long period of time. Then you see them again, and they say something just kind of very normal, very like, just like... You know, I bet you had a good day today. It's like, why did he say that? I can't believe he said, I bet you had a good day. It's probably because he was actually knows that I didn't have a good day because he said this, this, right. and this to me. And it's like, yeah. that, that's not the case at all. But you just yeah. let these things. That's a moment we need to stop and become myself reflecting upon myself. Right. Right. Yeah. And that, that's, that's something you have to train yourself to do. So the enemy is weak when faced with strength and, and strong when faced with weakness. Um, so he gives an example he's, here. He says, when dedicated persons are firm in confronting temptations of the enemy, doing precisely the opposite of what the temptation suggests. For instance, why not let prayer go until later? Mm-hmm. No, I will pray right now as planned. You firm, it's like, no, I, don't, I, I, will, I will not even entertain the idea. I firmly reject this notion. Mm-hmm. Uh, with it with that kind of disposition then ignatius says the enemy weakens loses heart and ceases to tempt them so actually it terrifies the enemy and they flee based on your own strength in uh not to not to say that you are the source of that strength but that you that you have chosen to cooperate with with that with that strength that you have been given yeah okay um so yeah i like that he he basically is telling us something that we, we we know from spiritual spiritual warfare that the enemy is essentially weak. There is, the enemy, like the devil, is the weakest creature on the planet. He he poses and roars loud. He's got a big he, man. He puts on a big show. Okay, but at the end of the day, the enemy is nothing more than a, a barking dog on a chain, and it is the Lord who who tells the the who tells Satan and the evil spirits, "You may come this far and no further." Okay. They can do absolutely nothing to you apart from that which is God's will and that which you choose to allow them to do. To, you know, so if you if you make the choice to commit a mortal sin, that opens up. I mean, there are consequences to your actions, okay? You have empowered them. God is God w- would not have allowed them to do anything to you had you not cooperated. So, um we need to know this and reject it right away. Okay? The 13th rule Likewise, he conducts himself as a false lover in wishing to remain secret. This is, he's talking about the the enemy. Yeah. Uh, He conducts himself as a false lover in wishing to remain secret and not be revealed. For a dissolute man who, speaking with evil intention, makes dishonorable advances to a daughter of a good father or to a wife of a good husband, wishes his words and persuasions to be secret. And the contrary displeases him very much. When the daughter reveals to her father or the wife to her husband his false words and depraved intentions, because he easily perceives that he will not be able to succeed with the undertaking begun. In the same way, the enemy of human nature brings his wiles and persuasions to the just soul. He wishes and desires that they be received and kept in secret. But when one reveals them to a good confessor or to another spiritual person who knows his deceits and malicious designs, it weighs on him very much. 
because he perceives that he will not be able to succeed with the malicious undertaking he has begun since his manifest deceits have been revealed. A lot to say about this. This is a, this one's big for our show about brotherhood, about yep. having having someone spiritual director. Yeah, so if you're listening to this right now on the radio, go to thecatholicmanshow.com. You can check out the rest of our episode, or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Uh, we'll continue this uh, on our podcast. We'll be right. Uh, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Okay, so um, it's not good for man to be alone. We're made for communion. We are made for communion. We're made, we're, we are relational beings, so we need each other. Uh, one thing that, uh, you know, we talk about is that iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, um, we're not called to be hermits in most cases. The, the vocation of a hermit is very rare. Right. Um, well, and like, you know, we, we hear this iron sharpens iron all the time, but you got to remember, and I've said this before, I'm sure on the show, but uh, iron only sharpens iron when it comes together. Right. Like, it, when you sharpen it's iron, it's not like oh, just wave it, you know, it, close to each close other. To each other, they have to actually come together. The iron actually has to, you know, they come have in to contact, they ha- and it's not just contact. They have to confront each other. Mm-hmm. They have to um, almost like challenge each other. I mean, it is a challenge. One iron colliding with another, one of them is going to win, the other one's going to lose. Maybe they both they both become sharper, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not like a, oh, let me help you in the same direction. In this, in the analogy, they're going in opposite directions, okay, and that's important because when we find ourselves going in the wrong direction, and it is those moments that we need to make sure we've surrounded ourselves by people who know the direction. Other times, there are many times in your life, other people can more easily perceive um, what is right and wrong in your own dis- in your own scenario much easier than you because you get too you're too close. Right. The enemy. This is part of what he's saying here is that the enemy has the ability to. Um, influence your passions, your emotions, okay? And emotions are not good for logical thinking. Um, They're good for other things, but when it comes to accurately assessing a situation, those emotions can lead us to believe things that are not true, okay? So that's when you need somebody. He, you have to be very, you have to pay close attention when St. Ignatius uses adjectives, okay? So he says, uh, reveals them to one's good confessor, not simply when one's confessor, one's good confessor, and then he, or another spiritual person. So he immediately follows good confessor up with another spiritual person. So he's also implying that your good confessor is indeed a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the thing here is that the enemy wants you to keep your struggles to yourself. Oh, yeah. I mean, his whole game is divide and conquer. Exactly. Right? He divides you, separates you, conquers you by saying, like, I'm the only one struggling with this. I'm the only person carrying this cross this way. I'm the only, like, my cross is, you know, is heavier than everybody else's. And and so, like, it just follows they, you into or, despair. Or maybe they've got their own problem. They don't, the last thing they need and is here, my problem. Is to listen to like, my, yeah. I'm, you know what, and I'm, I'm really, I'm pretty busy and I know they're busy. Uh, right, yeah. They don't want to... The last thing that they need is to have to deal with my silly problems. 
Right. Because in that moment, the, the they might be tempted to think your problems aren't as bad as, as they what are. some people are. Yeah. You you know, and they wouldn't understand anyway. You know, they're going to think you're crazy if you bring this up. Uh, you, you know, they won't want to be your friend. Any, uh, the the, the excuses go on and on and on. And it, I love this chapter in the book because he um, talks about St. Therese um, on the, the night before she was to take her final vows. She had never in her life doubted for an instant her vocation to the religious life until the night before her final... And she said... Uh, there she was in her cell, and all of a sudden became convinced that she had deceived herself and her superiors. That she did, she saw very clearly that she did not have a vocation to the religious life. Um, and so she went and found her uh, superior. Actually, they were in um, like evening prayer, and since she was hadn't taken her vows yet or something, she wasn't allowed into this certain area. Mm-hmm. She went in there anyway because. She had to talk to somebody. She had to, right. And so it was like an act of humility that she said, I will go and do this even though it will be very embarrassing for me. Like, people, surely people would think like, yeah. oh, Therese, like, she's doing? like such a drama queen or right. something, right? And so, but in the story, the moment she brought it up to her superior, it instantly went away. Well, I mean, how many times, I mean, we can relate to that. I mean, how many times have I called you late at night or something like that, worried about something or struggling with something, yeah. and just talking to you about it, I instantly, like, by the end of the conversation, I'm like, you know what, that was, like, that's not that big of a deal. Or right. I'm not struggling with this as bad as what I thought I was. Or you give good advice or, you know, terrible, right. a lot of times terrible advice, uh-huh. uh, and, and yeah. I, I end up being okay. That is true. But I'm not as culpable because of your right. terrible advice. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, you should know better, but I mean, it's, it's you know, it's like it works out, right? So but, I mean, I, I think a lot of people get that, and, and you know what? Receiving those kind of phone calls actually is something that's good for the soul it is. as well. Yeah, uh, because, because you do a it's a spiritual work of mercy, you know, for your brother, and it's just like being there for him. Like right. you know, I, I, we 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 have a mutual friend who's struggling right now, and he every time he calls me, I'm like, yes, I'm glad he's calling. Like, yeah, good, I get to talk to him. Uh-huh. Uh, it feels good. Mm-hmm. So. So the other thing that, a couple things that need to be clarified here is what does Ignatius mean by a spiritual person? What does, what does that mean? Okay, because... New he, age, I believe. Yeah, it's new age, right. Yeah, they need to probably yoga instructor. Right. Right. Um, because he doesn't mean holy. He doesn't mean a holy person. Ignatius clearly states that the word spiritual in this context does not signify simply a person of prayer and service. Such a person may or may not have the necessary knowledge and experience to assist the troubled person wisely. A confessor is a spiritual is oh a confessor is spiritual if he is conversant with the workings of the enemy, one who knows because he says here one who knows his deceits and malicious designs. Okay, so uh, Saint Teresa of Avila actually goes she goes through uh, how to pick a good spiritual director in detail, and she actually says let's say you have a very holy person. And one who is not holy but knows well knows the workings of the enemy. She says to not pick this the holy. Right. Like, it's better to have a more sinful spiritual director who is knowledgeable about the workings of the of the evil one, because they can more accurately and acutely direct you through. Oh yes, I'm very familiar with that tactic of theirs. Uh, I I know it very well. I know it's very interesting that that's the case. But. Yes. 
Right. Uh, because some people are just naturally holy and other people, we all have different gifts, right? You know what I'm saying? Some of us, like me, are on the struggle bus constantly. Yeah. And so it's like you notice who's absent from the list. It's He doesn't say a holy person, but he says a good confessor or spiritual, another spiritual person. Okay. So the 14th rule, this is the last, the last rule. One. The last one. This is, I like this this rule. So these last three rules are kind of a subset. You notice it was, uh, you know, the how, how does the enemy work when he's attacking you, tempting you, be strong. Then here it was, oh, the, he's going to tell you to keep it secret. And now, so now we'll see this 14th rule that once again, referring to the evil one, likewise, he conducts himself as a leader, intent upon conquering and robbing what he desires. For just as a captain and leader of an army in the field, pitching his camp and exploring the fortifications and defenses of a stronghold, attacks it at its weakest point, in the same way the enemy of human nature, roving about, looks in turn at our theological, cardinal, and moral virtues. And where he finds us weakest and in most need of our eternal salvation, there he attacks us and attempts to take us. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. It's like you don't... That seems obvious, right? Like, yeah, that's why I was... Obviously, if I was them, this is exactly where I would tempt me because right. that's where I'm the weakest. That's, that's, part, that's part of, like, like we, we've said this multiple times on the show, but knowing thyself, knowing where your weakest points are, right. when you're at your highest, you you focus on some of the things that you struggle with in order to fortify yourself to when those attacks come, you have a strong defense. Right. Now, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't, in this metaphor, talk about how strong the attacker is. It doesn't matter. He simply is, it's about finding the weakness. You know, if you're a town with a wall around it, mm-hmm. are all parts of that wall... Yeah, you know how the Great Wall of China got uh, in- infiltrated? How? It wasn't because they broke through the wall. It was, how was it? It was because they bribed the guards to let them in. Oh, so you right. Know, there it, you go. You had a place where guards could be bribed. Right. Yeah. So that was the weakest. It wasn't that the wall was too weak for the enemy it was because they were a lot like they figured out a way to get in right from from the bribing the the guards so um we see that once again here is the beginning is where we start obviously the beginning is a very good place to start so i like i like starting at the yeah actually you know what sometimes i, I don't like starting at the beginning a so, lot of books i don't start at the beginning oh really interesting yeah i do i'm just a that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so the, the the battle will always start in this scenario at your weakest place. You know, it's not like they're going to say, you know what? That looks like a nice wall. Sure, I know there's like a wooden gate around the side. Let's start with the with like the stone wall. Mm-hmm. See how it goes. This just that's never going to happen. So Ignatius says that. Uh, actually, I think this is Timothy Gall- Father Gallagher. People of discernment can prepare their resistance to these deceptions before the deception begins. They can learn where in their spiritual lives the enemy's deception will most likely occur and be prepared for be prepared beforehand. You are as strong as your weakest link. Is essentially goodbye. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Um, so you might have perfect self mastery in a lot of areas of your life, but if you have just a single weakness. The enemy will, it doesn't matter how strong you are in the other. Just pick at it. Right. And has plenty of time. It'll slow. He plays the slow roll game. Exactly. He's patient. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it doesn't matter how big and strong your wall is on one side if if it's flimsy around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, once again, how he tells you exactly where what you need to do. 
examine your theological, cardinal, and moral virtues. There's, there, that's a specific list of things. Yes. Okay. Um, and then something that we've said on this podcast several times already, timet noske, know thyself. Do an honest assessment and look at what you should be looking for is a pattern of weakness that you know mm-hmm. this is where I struggle. And where you struggle, like, in order to find that, a lot of times it's like, okay, what am I confessing mm-hmm. uh, every single month? Or hopefully you're going, I strongly advise, man, if you're not going to confession every single month, to go at least once a month. That is something that I strongly suggest. If, you want, if you're taking your prayer life seriously, if you're taking your spiritual life seriously, go to the sacrament of confession at least once a month. Um, yeah, whether you need it or not. Whether and because because you, you do you do need it. You do need it, right? Um, and then as you you train yourself to go at least once a month, you realize, okay, what am I confessing? Yeah, uh, you know, every time that I'm in here, I should have said whether you have mortal sin, whether you've committed mortal sin or not. If you've committed mortal sin, you better not wait for the Get, like. No, oh, what well, I'm going to go at the end of the month. No, run to confession right. immediately. Yeah, um, uh, that's the benefit of having some priest friends on speed dial. You can call them up right. and be like, hey, I need you. I need confession. Yeah. Get over here, and I'll give you a beer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. so, um, like I said, these last three go together. The 12th rule, resist at the start. The 13th rule, don't bear the burden alone. And the 14th rule, focus on uh, focus your energy where it's needed the most. Um, this is important uh, because, as Father Gallagher says, the ultimate refinement of discernment in this set of rules is reached when discerning persons become capable of defeating the enemy's personalized attacks even before the attack begins, okay? Because the that is true. The enemy attacks you the way you would be attacked. He doesn't attack us all the same. Right. And so you need to be able to discern your own situation. Mm-hmm. Situation. Right. By dedicating, and when you do this, when you like find that weak link, it doesn't just, just strengthen that one virtue. You actually become stronger all the way around because... Imagine growing grow one virtue, growing all virtues. All virtues, right? Imagine a town that's no longer being invaded. You know, like you can really thrive now, okay? Um, so, no one can discern your heart but you. Mm-hmm. This is something that you have to do. Even a good spiritual director or confessor cannot do the discernment for you. They can help, they can, they're invaluable in, in the discernment process. This, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of rules here. This podcast is in no way a replacement for reading this book. It's not even close. Okay, um, the understanding of these rules that Father Gallagher lays out in this book is so much deeper and more. You'll just have a better understanding. Just read the I book. Know, dude. I think we just articulate it way better. I, mean, I hear there's a movie coming out, so you could wait for that. I'm just joking. Yeah. Um, in conclusion, the work is hard, but you're a man, so get used to it. You know, uh, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. I mean, if you think that that's like, oh, that sounds really hard, I won't do it. Well, you're probably going to go to hell. So, like, don't do that. Just don't do that because I want. Uh, I, I want you want, to go to heaven. I want everybody to go to heaven. I'm not judging you. I'm not saying you are going to go to hell. I'm just saying, like, that is the risk when you uh, decide. Your, I'm not going to. I just when you don't, don't take do your spiritual life ser- seriously. Are there any cheat codes? Right. There's no do spiritual remember, hacks. Do you remember cheat codes? Yes. I don't. I don't even know if those are a thing anymore. Anyway, any other? Uh, any questions? Any anything from? Any questions from the audience? Okay. Okay. Jim, are, are we good? 
Jim gives us a thumbs up. All right. I feel like that's sufficient. It's a delicious beer. Yeah, fantastic. I would beer. like to have another one to be honest with you, but yeah, it's okay. I'm good. I'm I'm very content. Me too. I still have I still have a little bit. Thanks, Juan, for all your help, buddy. All right, let's shut Cheers. her down.